This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. Leading Second. What's up? Welcome back to season two of the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart, and I am so excited and honored that you're here today to spend some time with us. If you lead, but you're not in charge, then Leading Second is for you. If you serve a vision a whole lot bigger than yourself, then Leading Second is for you. So welcome home. Uh, Welcome to this space. So excited that you're here today. In fact, this last week, so excited, uh, Leading Second got the opportunity to participate in the Youth America Leadership Conference. It was such an honor to be there. I was blown away by what God is doing with uh, Church of the Harvest and Youth America. And I wanted to let you know that they have launched a free, high-quality resource for church leaders everywhere called Free Church Media. Come on, somebody. FreeChurchMedia.com. If you are a leader, uh, specifically a a youth pastor, young adults pastor, uh, they have a new library of high-quality sermon series and graphics that you're going to want to check out. And it's all available to you for free. Uh, Leading Second is excited to invest in this and partner with this. So uh, you can check them out. But I was just blown away and we are excited with all that God is doing in that tribe. Well, hey, buckle up for today's episode. Today, we're going to be talking with the one and only Jedediah Thurner from missions.me. It's going to be an incredible episode that's going to call you higher today. So uh, you're going to want to tune into this one till the very, very last word. Hey, before we get into our episode today and our conversation with Jedediah, we had a question come in from a member of the Leading Second Tribe that I thought was really great. So let's check out what is on the mind of another Leading Second Tribe member. What's up, Leading Second? My name is Chris Amatrano, and I am from Fountain Church. And my question is, how do you practically lead at home as much as you lead in the church? I know in the church, results and goals, they're a lot easier to measure, but how do you put the same intention in leading your home well? Thank you so much. Well, I thought this was a really great question and a version of one we get often at Leading Second. I want to remind you, first of all, that our um, our leading thought on winning at home is always this, that we need to ditch balance and embrace rhythm, that that balance is often a myth in our lives. I know a lot of great leaders that have healthy families and healthy ministry uh, that don't necessarily feel balanced. So uh, we always just just lean into this idea of rhythm in every area of our life being in rhythm. So I started thinking through that lens uh, to answer this question today. You know, how do I practically lead at home? My quick answer would be, Uh, How can you get every area of your home life on a healthy rhythm? In other words, I can be in rhythm with my wife or I can be out of rhythm with my wife. I can be in rhythm with my daughter or I can be out of rhythm with my daughter. So I just always think in terms of rhythm and practically here's how I am choosing to look at rhythm right now when it comes to home life. I look at rhythm through weekly rhythms, monthly rhythms, quarterly rhythms, and annual rhythms, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually. And disclaimer, I cannot 
say in front of you today that I have every one of these mastered. That uh, is not accurate. I, I am a work in progress on all of these. But I am attempting to win weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually in the rhythm space with my wife and with my daughter. So for example, weekly, what could a weekly rhythm look like with each of them? Like, could I, could I pick my daughter up from school one afternoon a week and surprise her and take her out for a treat, take her out for ice cream, just some, a little mini date, you know, is is there something I can do um, on the weekly for, with my wife, does it look like a weekly date night or does it look like a for us, we often find as much success doing a, a weekly breakfast out, you know, just the two of us. So what could that look like weekly? I'll give you this little hack, life hack that is working really well for us right now. And that is quarterly. Something we're doing with our daughter right now is quarterly. We are putting something on the calendar that cannot be moved. I mean, like, like Jesus could return and we're going to still try to get this thing in you know, it feels that, that, that this, my daughter has one thing once a quarter on the schedule that is ours, that is immovable. And we've been doing that now uh, for a little bit. And it's really helped us to lead her through the busy times of church life. In fact, we just came off of a really intense kind of six to eight week span. But since we had something out there in late November, Uh, coming up for her. She has been able to hold on to that. She's been excited about that and it helped her to, uh, to get through that. Also annual, I'm just working right now on annual rest time, both for myself, my marriage and my family. So I hope that answers this question today briefly. It's such a complex question, but one, I think that, you know, we really need to get right. Thank you for sending in that question. If you want to hear your question answered on the podcast, or if you'd like to feature your story on an upcoming episode, why don't you contact us at leadingsecond.com or on Leading Second Instagram. Uh, Share your question, share your story. We'd love to hear from you and um, potentially feature you on an upcoming episode. Well, today we are talking in our interview time today with Jedediah Thurner. So excited about this. Uh, Jedediah serves on the executive leadership team of missions.me. He is an incredible leader, incredible pastor, and great friend to our house, to my local church, as well as team church and leading second. Someone that has always called me higher every single time I've been around him. You know, missions.me is an incredible organization that empowers people to change the world. And one of my favorite things about missions.me is how much they champion the local church. They want the local church to stand out and show off through everything they do. And um, my probably my favorite thing with missions.me uh, that they that they do is an event called One Nation One Day. And next year it's going to be in LA. We're so excited through Team Church and Leading Second to partner with this event. And you're going to be hearing a whole lot more about this uh, with us over the course of this year. So uh, really, really excited for this conversation today. Today we're going to talk about two words in ministry that I think we need to get right things we need to be talking about more, and that is calling and covenant. And I agree with Jedediah that these words are often uh, two missing ingredients on our church team. So I'm not going to spoil it too much. You're going to hear it in the conversation today. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Jedediah Thurner. Well, Jedediah, what's up? So good to see you today. 
Such an honor, man. Seriously. Hey, thank you so much for uh, being on our podcast. And uh, how are you doing? How's your ministry doing today? Man, I I will say people ask the question a lot, what's God up to? And my response has simply been, God's been outrageously gracious. Mm -hmm. He's been so kind. He's been so good. And uh, I'm just lucky to be in in the conversation. You know, whether we hold the mic or hold the door, uh, shake the hand of a king or carry the backpack of a kid, stand on a platform or build it. Uh, For our organization, you have to operate in both spaces. It's just, it's pretty amazing the journey God's allowed us to be on. That's awesome. Well, you're already preaching and we just said hello. So I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, before we get started, though, I want to say a big thank you to you. Um, because whether you know it or not, you actually have fingerprints on Leading Second. Um, I don't know if you would even remember, but Lindsay and I, a couple summers ago, we were stepping out in faith, kind of in the pre-launch season of this ministry. We had a big number ahead of us to raise financially, and we were just sort of sitting in that like wow. uncertain zone. And you just in the green room before one of the night services at Team Church Conference, you actually gave me a piece of advice that actually I really held on to. It changed my perspective on something and really helped us win in probably one of the the crazier times of our last few years. So I just want to say a big Come thank on. you to you. We love you so much like family and uh, love what God's doing in missions me. And um, I guess thanks for being in our world. Thanks for adding value. It's, it's amazing, man. I, can't, I, did, I, I, re- I actually do remember the moment but I didn't know it was it was significant or this significant. So what an honor that I could be a part on what you guys yeah. are doing and helping churches and leaders of churches all around the world. Absolutely. So you lead an organization called Missions Me. Uh, tell everybody listening a little bit about what you do. Yeah, Missions.me does so many different things. It's uh, I would say the, the primary mandate is to unite the global church for the salvation and transformation of nations, which is a big statement and probably hard to grasp. And uh, there's many different arms of missions.me. So we have a, an orphanage arm called Angel House, which is built over 200 orphanages, over 5,000 kids rescued in India. And then we have some safe houses for sex slaves in Nepal, which is our freedom homes. Wow. And, um, then we have a leadership college. But I think the thing that a lot of people would know us for, if, if anyone knows us, would be the One Nation One Day campaigns, yes. which is a national campaign where really instead of asking the local church within a country to build a platform for us, the speaker or us, the evangelist or us, the foreign ministry, we leverage our relationships around the globe to build a platform for the local church to begin to reposition the church in a city and in a nation to not only be the vehicle that leads transformation, but also sustains it. And we've had the ability to do four of these one nation one day campaigns uh, and in 28 days of ministry, we've seen 64 stadiums filled wow. without a man being advertised or a band being advertised. So every single one of them, people came really to be a part of national transformation. We've seen 780,000 people get some form of aid or medical relief, dental treatment, a new home, new shoes, food, uh, 91,000 pastors equipped and resources. 1.2 million students have been reached face to face in their high schools. And 3.6 million people have been reached face to face with the message of hope, truth, and love, which is, we're just figuring it out, man. We're on this never ending journey of not arriving. And this has been the last few years of just figuring it out. Wow. Well, I have to say, you're probably one of my biggest thinking friends. That, that's incredible. That's incredible. We're blown away. And at Team Church and Leading Second, like we are all in. We love missions, not me, love everything God is doing. In fact, you have an event 
coming up in 2020, One Nation, One Day, LA. Come on, somebody, Los Angeles. Uh, extremely <laughs> excited about this one. Um, I'm going to be there. We're going to have churches there. So uh, what what is this event specifically in LA and what can someone listening do to be a part? Yeah, what a thank you for even allowing me to talk about it. Um, and there's so much so much excitement and our outrageous passion around this moment. And I'll, I'll tell you just a quick history. It really started, you know, our first one nation one day campaign was 2013 in Honduras and uh, Tommy Barnett, who is a general of our generation, yeah. him and his son, Matthew Barnett founded the dream center and he was there in Honduras. He actually sat in the main event with the president of Honduras right next to him. He saw the 747s land and 2014, he brought our team up to LA and simply said, Hey, could you do in LA? what you did in Honduras. Could we leverage our relationships? Could you mobilize thousands of volunteers? You know, could we get the local church to begin to unite and basically cast a vision for this moment? And what we've learned is when a general speaks in spirit, you just can't respond in logic. We had no reference point for it, no understanding. Weren't thinking about it, weren't praying into it, but really felt it was a general that was implanting a seed of vision and that we should just begin to steward it. And about two years ago, the conversation resurfaced when we moved our global headquarters out to Southern California and started sitting back down with Pastor Matthew and Pastor Tommy and then led the conversation with some of the great supporters of the Dream Center, ARC and Serve Day and our pastor, Pastor Jensen and many others. And basically after trying to get one single leader to say, don't do it, we basically had every leader saying, it's not that you should uh, do it, but that you have to. And if you think about what's happening, One Day LA is one Nation Day is becoming One Day LA. And if you really look at the narrative God's writing, 2020 will be an election year. Hate will be front and center stage. Racial divide yep. will begin yep. to dominate the headlines. And, yep. and often faith takes a back seat. But in 2020, while the nation will be dividing, the church will be uniting. We'll Come be putting on. aside our logos, our labels, and our, and our egos. And we'll be marching into the communication capital of the world to the banner of love has no limits. That's the theme of this campaign with the desire to put on the greatest display of irrational, unconditional, illogical love that the city has ever experienced. There'll be two catalytic gatherings, one to launch the team. And then we've signed the contracts on the, the USC Coliseum, which is the largest stadium on the West Coast, west wow. of Texas, the largest venue imaginable. And really to begin to you know show the world what it looks like to love unconditionally and if people are interested you know we always say don't come as an individual come as a church everything we've done is through relationships with senior leaders and churches so i would say if you're a, a person listening tell your mission their missions pastor your outreach director your senior leader get them introduced to the vision and that's the best way for an individual to go is making sure their church is going and you can go to onedayla.com to find out all the options but we're not just going to serve the city and we're not also just looking to let them be introduced to the love of Christ, but we're also wanting to solve problems. We believe the yes. world's got to do, the church has got to do what the world can't do without God. And one of those things is provide solutions that the world without God cannot find answers to. That's right. That's right. Well, we're just considering this conversation to be the opening splash. We we are in, we are all in. Um, our tribe is going to be hearing Thank more about guys. this. So um, I'm pumped for this and anyone listening, you're going to be hearing more about it from us. And, um, we're just going to, we're standing with you. We're believing God for, for significant impact through one day LA. Um, I love hearing people's responses to this. Everyone we talk to on this podcast, I ask this question really, really simple, but really profound. 
Jenna, why do you love the local church? <laughs> yeah, c- c- because it's what Jesus loves. You know, it's pretty hard to love him and not love the things he loves. So you, it's pretty hard to love him and not love people. Because uh, if you love Jesus, you love people. And it's pretty hard to love him and not love his bride. That's right. And, I, and I'll be honest, in my, in my journey, you know, probably 15, 60 years ago, I hated the church. Now, not just a church, probably the big C church. And you might be like, <laughs> we got the wrong guy on. I didn't know you were going to say those words. But I just, I just had so many issues, man. I had issues with, I mean, it was all my issue, issue with authority, issues with my own pride, my own ideas. Uh, you know, I was in a season of life where I just thought I, I could probably do a lot of things better than leaders. And I was jacked up, to be honest. I just felt like God's been super gracious. And, and now in this season, to realize the, the only vehicle that God's ordained to produce the salvation and transformation of, of individuals, of communities, of cities, of states, and of nations is the church. You know, there's no other plan. There's no other option. So uh, a parachurch organization is phenomenal, but the church is God's plan. Yes, the right. church is the only entity on the planet that can, that can actually fulfill the need for community. When the church is at its best, there's no other entity on the planet that actually can fulfill the need Agreed. that a human has for community. And I believe when you're connected to community, you will be in the posture to discover destiny and your identity. Yes. And I just know that isolated anyone is a defeated everyone. I don't know anyone who's won over long periods of time consistently alone. Everyone has a mentor, a leader, a coach, a family. And so I just know it's God's plan. It's God's choice. And the reality is, is whether you, you know, even when you think about leadership, it's not always just about the person or the experience. It's about the principle. And so for me, I've just learned that regardless of the issues I might've had, my submission to God's plan will always take me farther than my ambition to my will. That's right. And so for me, you, you can't do what God wants to do on the planet without it living in and through the local church. Absolutely right. Well said. Um, so let me ask you this today. When you look at the landscape of church leaders and young leaders, um, you interact with a lot of churches, a lot of people, um, what concerns you the most? I mean, what, what challenges from your seat do you see that lay ahead of us, um, in ministry? Yeah, that's such a man. What a great question. I can tell why you're the pro and you're on the other end of this. <laughs> um, I think for me, I, I see, you know, I, I am, uh, I, I see so much positive and obviously I, I see this outrageous bright future for the yes, church. I see this glorious church that he's coming back for. But when, when I would to maybe listen to the conversations I'm having with leaders and young leaders, I think one of the things that's probably missing right now in the body of Christ, you know, when you, when you talk to the big churches, how they hire uh, is really based on these three C's, it's character, capacity, and chemistry. This is how the largest conglomerates, you know, in the body of Christ would hire. And, you know, character one, are you going to fail morally? You know, do you have, you know, good values, chemistry? Can you work with our team? Uh, and then, you know, uh, capacity, you know, competency. Can you execute the tasks you've been assigned right. to execute? Right. We're missing these two other C's, which are called calling and covenant. Wow. You know, the reality is, is church is not a career. It is a calling. And even if you're not on staff or even a volunteer, church within itself as a congregate is not something you come to. It's something you're called to. Yes. You know, so, so many people have made church about what does this church give me? So they've made it about a consumer Christianity instead of a 
you know, a contributing Christianity, and they made it about them and not about others. And then there's this this covenant aspect of it, which is of, of God calls you to a church. He brings you in covenant with the leadership of the church, because in fact, covenant is God's biblical model for relationship. In fact, uh, if you just look at what covenant actually is, you know, there's no reproductive miracle outside of covenant. You know, if you look at God's model for marriage, there's no intimacy unless there's covenant, which means you actually can't produce anything outside so of good. covenant. And if you do produce something outside of covenant, outside of God's biblical model for relationship, it used to be called in the old days illegitimate. If you had a wow, child outside wow. of covenant, outside of marriage, it was illegitimate. And so I think a lot of churches, uh, a lot of leaders are creating businesses, worship albums, you know, apps, uh, ministries without first establishing God's biblical order for relationship called covenant. And therefore, what they're giving birth to is illegitimate, often giving birth to it in the flesh. And then if you give birth to something illegitimate, what are the two questions every parent would ask if you're following my analogy? One, if it's a good kid, who gets credit? Mm. And if it's a bad kid, who's responsible? Wow. And so I look at a lot of people in leadership, they're giving birth to something without establishing covenant. And at the end, they're going, well, who's going to get the credit for this? Or, man, it's not working. This campus is failing or this ministry idea is lacking. Who's now going to be responsible? And I just know for this season of ministry, if you look at Abraham giving birth to an Isaac and an Ishmael, and Ishmael was God's promise, just not God's way. It was outside of covenant. Right which means it was given birth to in the flesh. And what you give birth to in the flesh, you're responsible for. But when he gave birth to Isaac, which was God's promise, God's way, he gave birth to it in the spirit, which means God's responsible for it. You know, so I think there, I think there's, there's churches that are giving birth to something, God's plan, just not God's way. And so there's this, they're having to carry it. And it's like, man, if you give birth to that ministry idea, if you wow. give birth to that album, or if you do that outside of God's model, then you're having to carry it in the flesh. And I, and I also think the calling thing, you know, I hear, I hear young leaders all the time. I have so many friends I'm on the conversation with and they'll go, Jedediah, you know, I got this job offer from this other church. It's, it's, you know, it's a bigger church. It's a bigger budget. It's my next step. And they'll use the language to go, it's a great opportunity. And I go, for who? I go, for God, God doesn't give you an opportunity. He gives you a calling. Like, are you called to this church? Are you just pursuing another opportunity? And if God called you to exist in your church, he's not in the business of making families to break them up. Yep. You know, so if yep. you were called there, man, there's got to be some crystal clear clarity on you being uncalled. And the good news is if you are uncalled, that doesn't also mean you lose relationship. You know, yep. so I see a church right now that every time a leader transitions, they're, they're excommunicated from the family. Either they did that or the leader did it. And I'm like, man, God's not in the business of making families to break families. In fact, if it's all done God's way, you should just be taking more of your family on the journey with you. And when there's no, when there's maturity, you don't need proximity, yep. you know? Yep. So I, I know I'm going a little long in it, but I'll just say, even no, like say for me, it. I don't live in my, my, I don't live in my dad's house, but he's still my father, yes. you know, like I have my own house, but he's still my dad and proximity does not change relationship or covenant. So I can tell you, even in my journey, like, you know, right now I, I sit at a church, Pastor Jensen Frank was my pastor in a previous season. I helped transition a leader through, not out in a miracle story. And before that, I was 10 years in the desert, another church. I go back to all these churches. I preach at all yep. these churches. I'm in a yep. relationship with these senior leaders. They're still pastor to me. They're still a spiritual father to me. Like, so I, I'm just... I think one of the issues I've seen is we are hiring like the world. And so we're firing like the world yep. 
or we're being brought on the world's way. So we move up a corporate ladder in Christendom the same way the world does, but that's not how we should be doing relationship. Any person listening that is attending a church, you don't even have to be on staff or on team, should ask the question, if I'm called here. That's right. And if I'm called here, then I need to establish a covenant with the leadership here. And that doesn't mean you make an agreement with the leader for God. That means you make an agreement with God for the leader. For example, me and my wife are married. I created a bond with God for my wife, not with my wife for God, which means I'm only responsible for my side of the agreement, regardless of what your leader does, regardless of what my spouse does, regardless of her attitudes or issues, and she's epic, or regardless of the person that God's called you to. God's the author of covenant, which means he's the one who's responsible to protect it. I'm just on my end, have to steward it and do my part. So regardless of the leader's role, it doesn't change the agreement I made with God for that person. Right. And when you answer that question, you're that's when you're legitimately planted. That's when you begin to flourish. That's begin the church is at its best. So um, sorry for the, the tangent, but it's, no, it's, a, it's, it's a big beautiful. passion of mine right now. It's beautiful. Now. And in fact, I'm going to pause this here for just one second because every leader listening needs to grab what you just said that you, you basically talked about five C's. And for some of you, this is your staff meeting talk next week. Like right here is <laughs> you talk, you know, a lot of times we hire on character capacity and chemistry, uh, and we miss calling and we miss covenant. I couldn't say it any better I, at leading second. I think we say something to the effect of leading second is not determined by proximity to the pastor. It is a revelation that anyone in the organization can so carry good. that I am, I am called here. God assigned me here. In fact, I feel like we've just even tried to give dignity to that statement. Like I, I am proud to lose my life in this thing I'm called to, to be a part of. And I am, I am, I would, I would jump on that too, Brandon, to say, you know, the difference between contract and covenant is contract is made with separation in mind. Oh yeah. Totally. You know, so when you actually go and get staff, like why do you create that legal agreement? It's to identify the terms in which you're going to separate. But when you create covenant, you're actually identifying the terms in which you're going to stay together. And the greatest example of that was Christ. You know, I've asked a lot of people, what, what's more significant, the creator's covenant with his creation or the cross? And a lot of people would go, of course, the cross, but what they don't understand is the moment the creator confined himself in covenant to his creation, the cross was erected because he made an agreement with humanity without separation as an option. So he had to create the restoration mechanism called the cross to bring humanity back in an agreement over and over again, no matter how often they would break it. So I think about when you're making an agreement with leadership covenant, like you said, it's not about, hey, let's define the terms in which we'll split or separate. It's actually, let's define the terms in which we're always going to stay together. So good. I have one more question for you. What's the greatest lesson you feel like you learned? So, now, now, of course, you you lead your own organization, but you had plenty of time in ministry where you did serve, you know, uh, serve under someone right. else and, and right. were planted in a house. And what's the single greatest lesson you learned in those seasons of ministry for you? <laughs> Man, that's the single greatest. <laughs> I want the one. I want the best for this podcast, Jada. Oh, Man, I, I mean, I, I have four, but I'll try to just give you one. I mean, I, there's three that come up to <laughs> mind real quick. I, I think, I think for me, obviously, your your submission will always take you farther than your ambition. Yes, you know, I think that's something I learned. The reality is, is the I remember, and to be honest, you know, my my, my pastor when I was growing up, and um, I, I just remember I had a lot of great ideas. 
And to be honest, let's just say my idea was the best idea, you know, for small groups or for, you know, next steps, or let's just say it was the reality is a great idea in disunity will not even compare to what an average idea of unity can produce. Oh my word. That's so good. And so for me, it was, I remember the last two years I was transitioning out of a church as a volunteer. I had some great leaders. So I had a two year transition out as a volunteer. So I ran a young adult ministry. I preached on Sundays, but I ran two businesses. And I remember just submitting to this leader. I had some great friends. People would know who they were, who helped me. I just remember going, Hey, I, you know, I, I will leave now. I'll stay as long as you want. And people are always like, you were a volunteer. Like, you, were, yeah, I cared that much about the church wow. that I even submitted my transition process to my leader as a volunteer. And I remember he's like, stay as long as you want. It ended up being two years. But those last two years, I said, you know what? Instead of trying to force my idea through, what if I just aligned and leveraged everything I had for the existing idea? What meant my submission takes me farther than my ambition. And I watched everything we did. God bless. God grew. It accelerated. We had the most fruit. And it was simply because we were moving towards a posture of unity, you know, over what the leader had said. And and I'll just tell you, vision, you, you know, vision creating is normally not anyone else's job, but the senior leader. That's right. But vision carrying and casting is. And so I was trying to spend time to create the vision when I should have just submitted and started carrying and casting the existing vision and watch what that would look like when we were in unity. And of course, I think it would also be getting yourself under the right posture. I never forget the story of the Roman centurion. I know I'm giving you a long answer and you said, please nuggets, but I I can't (laughs) help it. The Roman centurion was just such a beautiful revelation. And he looks at Jesus. If you know the story, do your biblical due diligence. He goes to Jesus, says, my servant's sick. Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do? You want me to come to the house? And then this Roman centurion who had not been saved, who didn't have the person of Jesus Christ living inside of him because the cross hadn't been completed yet, begins to make up a miracle. Hmm. And in the midst of making up a miracle, he reveals a revelation of Jesus that no one had seen up until this point. And he said, Jesus, I'm like you. And then he said, a man who's under authority. He didn't say, I'm like you, a man who's over a hundred. He said, I'm like you, a man who's under authority. Therefore, I'm over a hundred soldiers. He recognized the posture and position of Jesus as one who would only do what he saw his father do and say what he heard his father say. He had postured himself under authority. Therefore, he had the capability to be over authority. And I think when I look at entrepreneurs, influencers, people, a lot of people of affluence, but when I look at people where their marriage is in crisis, their money's in crisis, usually it's an authority issue. Totally. And they have not postured their money under authority, their relationship under authority, their decisions. In fact, I'll ask these guys, who is your authority? And they can't answer it. And the fear is the person they put over them, but they don't understand it's the principle that works regardless of who the person is. So I would say the greatest thing I learned now is running to authority, desperately needing spiritual covering, knowing the strength is not in what we're over. The strength, our strength as an organization, me personally, as I can point to so many different voices who are checking in, speaking to, clarifying, rebuking, directing, and I desperately want that. So if anyone out there, I just encourage you, it's, it's better than you can ever imagine. And it's not about the person. It's about the principle. I'll even expand on this. I told someone the other day, which what I'm going to say is probably not theologically correct, but it just shows you the revelation. <laughs> I told someone the other day, Pastor Jensen's my pastor. I tied there. I give there. 
I don't care what he does with the money. Like I could find out, you know, a month from now that he's taking all of my tithe money specifically, putting it in his backyard and burning it. And like, he's just wasting it all <laughs> like to some extreme. And guess what? I don't care because well, I never gave to a church. I was always giving to God. So it is not about the yes. person. It is always about the principle. So good. Sorry for preaching. Preach. Well, you know what, what's going to happen is I'm just going to have you back because we need to keep, we need Let's to keep preaching. It. We need to keep talking <laughs> until everybody hears this. Let's do it. Um, well, Hey, we, I would love, we to love you a lot in our world. We're grateful for you and I'm grateful I'm grateful that you are leading an organization, yet even in your own spirit, you just constantly champion everyone around you. And I admire that about you. I respect that about you. And I believe God, God's just going to bless everything you're doing um, over the next year. I guess my last question for you, 30 seconds, is just this. What's the biggest thing you're believing God for next year in L.A.? Like like, like just the big, the big thing on your heart. What do you believe in God for? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, there's so many, right? We want to see the greatest, we want to see the greatest reach in the history of the city. We want to begin to, you know, reposition the church where it needs to be as a vehicle leads. And of course, rebrand the church. And and that's probably the big thing. I think the church is no longer known for love. Mm. The cross doesn't equal a heart. The cross, faith, church, pastor, a lot of these words equal hurt, equal judgment, equal hate. And I think this is an opportunity for us to take back the word we're supposed to be known for. He said, by this, you will be my known as my disciples, that you love one another. And I think this is a phenomenal opportunity when you look at the state of our nation for the church to yep. begin to provide answers to questions and solutions to problems packaged in the branding of this thing called unconditional, irrational love yep. of everyone could begin to look at the cross and the church through the lens as a vehicle known for love post this moment, I think we've accomplished so something good. that will have ripples effects throughout all eternity. So, so, so good. Well, we're standing with you. We love you. And next number is going to be amazing. Can't wait to be part of it. Thank you, man, for the opportunity to share to your community. I love you guys so much. Such a believer in all that you're doing. Well, I think you'll agree with me today. That was an incredible and encouraging conversation with Jedediah. Thank you for being with us today. If you want more information on missions.me or One Nation One Day LA, why don't you go to missions.me and um, plan to check it out, plan to get your church involved next July and uh, plan to join us even through our efforts with Team Church and Leading Second. It'll be our honor to all partner together and really make a difference for the kingdom of God. Also, if this podcast has resonated with you, help us out by becoming a podcast ambassador share the podcast with someone on your team or someone in your world that doesn't yet know about it leave a rating a comment we would consider it the highest honor to have a space in your life every single week so leading second we love you we pray for you often so thankful we get to do ministry alongside of you until next time leading second let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together For more information, check out leadingsecond.com or join us on the Leading Second Forum on Facebook.